Welcome to the Walk With Me podcast. I'm Pastor Stephen Bond from the Vine Church in Chapel Hill, Tennessee, and I'm excited that you are walking with me. What we do each day is we look at about three chapters of Scripture that I'm just organically reading through in my time with the Lord, and we're going to discuss them for around 20 minutes. You're going to get the most out of this if you read these chapters individually, but hopefully together we'll be able to hear the voice of the Lord as we're meeting each day. I'm stepping, I'm stepping out on your word. I'm stepping, I'm stepping out on your word. I'm stepping, I'm stepping out on your word. Today's passage is from Jeremiah 10, 11, and 12. Jeremiah chapter 10, it says, Hear the word that the Lord speaks to you, O house of Israel. Thus says the Lord, Learn not the way of the nations, nor be dismayed at the signs of the heavens, because the nations are dismayed at them. For the customs of the people are vanity. A tree from the forest is cut down and worked with an axe by the hands of a craftsman. They decorate it with silver and gold. They fasten it with hammer and nails so that it cannot move. Their idols are like scarecrows in a cucumber field, and they cannot speak. They have to be carried away, for they cannot walk. Do not be afraid of them, for they cannot do evil, neither is it in them to do good. There is none like you, O Lord. You are great, and your name is great in your might. Who would not fear you, O King of the nations, for this is your due? For among all the wise ones of the nations, and in all their kingdoms, there is none like you. They are both stupid and foolish. The instruction of idols is but wood. Beaten silver is brought from Tarshish and gold from Euphaz. They are the work of the craftsmen and of the hands of the goldsmith. Their clothing is violet and purple. They are all the work of skilled men. But the Lord is the true God. He is the living God and the everlasting King. You know, so it's just establishing this common instruction to refrain from the participation of the world's idolatry. You know, and it says, learn not the way of the nations. You know, there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a way of the nations. There's, I always just think of it like a, there's a current, you know, and sort of like where it says in Romans, you know, be not conformed to the pattern of the world. Same as that, there's a pattern of the world. There's a way of the nations. There's a there's a current that is just flowing, and it's an idolatrous current. You know that is when you think about do not conform to the patterns of the world. You know you could really take some time to just break down what is the patterns of the world. You know, and in the breaking down of the patterns of the world, one of the first things that you would mention is that the pattern of the world is idolatrous. Meaning it's always finding something new to worship. It's always searching for the next great thing that could be exalted to a state higher than it ought to be. You know, and, you know, when we read about, I think there's so much in the Old Testament about idolatry, and I think it falls a little bit on deaf ears in America. Because we are unfamiliar 
with the customs of religion, you know, religiously, ceremonially worshiping of man-made things, ceremonially, you know. Now, I, that's not to say that we're free from the sin of idolatry, because I don't believe that to be true at all. I, I think there's there's a decent chance that we might be the most idolatrous country, because we're always worshiping up new things. But I think we're the most ignorant to it because the things in which we worship appear to have function. Right? So, so these sort of idols were like scarecrows in a cucumber field. They were lifeless. Right? So it almost seems silly to us that they would worship something that had no that had no function. You know, you would just, it just sat there. It was screwed to the ground and you just worshiped it, you know? And I think that's probably what's dangerous now about our, our idols is that we've built, we've built in them the ability to function. And now that the idol is programming and speaking and driving and, you know, has power flowing through its life, through, it has, has, has power flowing through its function, I feel that like now it's so much easier to worship it, right? And then in worship, you know, it all depends on the, our definition of what worship is. Because if my definition of worship is closing my eyes, lifting my hands, well, people do that at concerts all the time. Yeah, you know, people go out on the stage. If your definition of worship is shouting and screaming and yelling, cheering, well, people do that at football games every weekend. If that's our definition of it, right? We wear the we we buy the the jersey of our favorite players and wear their name upon our backs, right? You know, if that's your definition of worship. Now, if your definition of worship is sacrifice. And, and and it's to give yourself over to, then people do that for, you know, printed pieces of paper with dead presidents on them. And they do that for careers, and they do that for stature. If your definition of worship is what you attend to and focus on and, and stare at, well, people are doing that with social media, Facebook, Instagram, Right, you know, if, if you're even just a television, we walk into our homes and we sit on the couch and we stare at it for an hour or so. And you think, well, I would never do that to an idol. Well, because your understanding of an idol is just a gold, you know, statue that would would sit there. But now we've come up with something better that can actually entertain us a little bit more. Now, I don't say all this to say that we should boycott organized sports and boycott, you know, uh, different things. People have become idols to us. You know, I mean, I don't know why we talk about politics so much on this podcast. It's really not my intention. But I'm going to tell you, the former president became an idol to so many people. You know, it's it's uncomfortable to talk about this. I'm not speaking against the person. That's not my intent. It's not always the person's problem when they become an idol because it's the one who worships the idol that puts them in that place 
And I'd never seen anything like I saw with the last president. It was so uncomfortable for me to watch. He became something that people were worshiping. I mean, it was just the it was the weirdest thing. And that's how I know America has an idolatrous heart. Because they seek to worship men and women and things that are not God. Right? And and of course we all know that he was a he is a unique character and whether you're for him or against him that's not at all the point of today. I don't care. But I I I do have to say that we couldn't we couldn't worship him. We can't worship anyone. You know. And so I'm just I'm just kind of putting it hopefully bringing it back to the surface that idolatry is not a sin of the past. It's still a very real present place that our heart will wander to if we learn the ways of the nations. The way of the nation is to always find something new to worship that's not God. Whether that be a person or whether that be um, whether that be a, a thing and 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 I know it's uh, people that listen to this podcast that are very political. Well, actually, at this point, I don't know. People that are political probably don't listen to this podcast anymore. But <laughs> if there's any of you left, I just, I just try to look at things more from the lens of God and, and where people's hearts are at. And I don't think God looks at things as much from a lens of, you know, Republican and Democrat like we do. And so the last, the last, you know, president, to me, it felt, it was a really strange heart it put people in. And when he got out of office, it changed. Now it wasn't, I'm not putting it upon him, but I'm just going to call it out like it is. I don't see that the current president has been made an idol. People like him, people don't like him. It doesn't feel like anybody loves him. And and I'm not saying he's better. I'm not saying he's worse. I'm just stating there was a there was something that was happening in the spirit that was drawing people into false worship with the last president, and it didn't work with this one, right? And I'm just saying, like, let's we need to look at things more from that standpoint and guard our hearts from worshiping anything and anyone that's not God. And that needs to be so much more our concern than who's actually in the office and what party they are, because they're not going to fix anything no matter what. So I just want to make sure that my heart is clean from trying to worship anything or anyone that's not God. And just to make it even more relatable, a lot of people worship, you know, spouses and girlfriends and boyfriends. And I I wrote a book many years ago, and in the beginning of the book, I talk about me losing my God and how... And it there was a level of devastation that came from me losing my God. And I wasn't talking about Jesus. I was actually talking about a season in my life where I had invested so much into my career. And I had, to, I had invested so much into a person in which that I was in a relationship with. And, and one day I felt as though I lost everything. But it didn't hurt me like it should hurt when you lose a job. It didn't hurt me like it should hurt when you have a breakup. It hurt me like I had lost a God. 
it hurt me like an idol that I worshipped had been smashed in front of my eyes. And that's that's just what I want us to... Don't make it political. It's not, I'm just trying to point out different things that I've noticed in America. And I know nobody else ever wants to talk like that, and that's okay. But we must be very careful of the idolatrous heart. We must be very careful of the of the 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 ways of the nation no no one in this nation is going to suspect idolatrous worship <laughs> but we must we must keep our eyes wide open not 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 for other people not 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 to necessarily stand on the street corner and 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 say you're all worshiping a false god but first and foremost for me that I don't worship a false god. And the, the, and the, the people that are in my sphere of influence that I would instruct to them also, let's just be careful that we don't worship something that's not God. Right? And, um, and so I just, there's so much to do with idols in this chapter. And it just declares again that no one's like the Lord. No one's like the Lord. Everything he has made and that's the same with people. He made people. How silly is it that I would worship some something that he has made? And people have done that for years too. They worship people. They worship the sun. They worship the moon, the stars. It's like God made the sun, the moon, the stars, the president, the singer, the artist, the, you know, the athlete. Why would I worship them? They're just something that was manufactured by the one in whom I should worship. So we must just be careful of that, that 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 way of the nation. And then he's and he goes on in chapter eleven, and he talks about how he made a covenant with his people, and they broke it. And now they're they're essentially they're they're eating of the fruit that's growing up from the bad seeds that they had sown. They're in a season of great difficulty because they had turned from the living God to the false gods. And it's a great season of difficulty and and punishment and winnowing. And he always puts in there the promises that good will come at the end of this, but it will be very painful in the process. But sometimes there is no way to learn anything except through pain. I don't like that any more than you like that, but it's the truth. And it's always been the truth. And if you attempt to only raise your children by means of offering them the next thing that pleases them, you'll probably experience very little success in raising of your children because people are far more motivated by resisting of pain than they are about running towards pleasure. And um, so there's, there's something for us to understand in the in the mercy of God, but also in the justice of God, in which he must give people over to themselves at times and let them eat of the fruit from the seeds of which they've sown. He's telling them, you've brought this upon yourself. You broke the covenant. I told you that this would happen and you did it. And now this is going to happen. Right? And... um 
But he's got a promise there to redeem them as well. Now, moving on into Jeremiah, something's really interesting here, because normally when a prophet speaks, they don't question the Lord much, but Jeremiah is not quite like the other prophets. So chapter 12, he actually starts off in complaining. It kind of sounds like a psalmist here. He kind of sounds like (laughs) something we've read in the Psalms because he says, Righteous are you, O Lord, when I complain to you, yet I would plead my case before you. Why does the way of the wicked prosper, and why do all who are treacherous thrive? You plant them and they take root, they grow and produce fruit. You are near in their mouth and far from their heart. But you, O Lord, know me. You see me and test my heart toward you. Pull them out like sheep for the slaughter, and set them apart for the day of slaughter. How long will the land mourn, and the grass of every field wither? For the evil of those who dwell in it, the beast and the birds are swept away, because they said, he will not see our latter end. The Lord has a response here, and it's very long. I'm not going to even try to cover it today, actually. I'm only going to talk about the next two, like, verses out of the Lord's mouth, because I think it's really interesting what he says back to Jeremiah, because Jeremiah basically says, well, I know we've broken the covenant. I know you're going to do all this kind of stuff, but could you just listen to my complaint on this? There's people that haven't even been as good as we've been, (laughs) and they seem to be doing just fine. And there's people that are phonies and fakes and pretend, and they're doing great. And what's the meaning of all this? And the next thing out of the Lord's mouth is very profound. And I th- it spoke to me this morning immediately. It's one of those verses I read and then I like had to reread because I'm like, wow, that's just for me today. Is that is that really in this chapter? Did I really just read that right? Because sometimes we get into, we get lost, we get overwhelmed and we get to comparing and then we get to um, not understanding our season. We get to questioning our season and we get frustrated with our season and we get frustrated with the prospering of other people. And we, you know, we just get into all these places and the Lord's answer in verse five says, if you have raced with men on foot and they have wearied you, how will you compete with horses? And if in a safe land, you are so trusting, what will you do in the thicket of Jordan. And just wild, interesting passage there. And he says to Jeremiah a couple of things in, in that. He says, if this is presently too much for you, how will you ever be able to go through what I have for you later on? If this is too much, right? Like saying, I've got more in store for you than just the enduring of like, like what I'm doing and, and for, and your comprehension of it. But he also says, if you've raced with men on foot and they have weird you, how will you compete with horses? It's almost to say as which I'm preparing you. What you're going through right now is a preparation for what's to come because I've got longer and more difficult things ahead for you, but you must go through and gain strength from this moment and from this season and be able to trust me here and now to be able to go on to what's coming. 
And then something else that it ministered to me is that he, I, I'll kind of put it to you like this. I put it, I have a standard for my children. I try my best to make it not an unrealistic standard. I'm sure it is at times. But I try my best not to make it an unrealistic standard, but I try to make it a holy standard, and one of which that um, that I would be pleased to see them obtain and live out in their lives. Now, the standard in which I put upon my children, they may feel as they're getting older too, that they know of people in which do not have the same standard upon them. And there's, there's, there's something to be said for that because as they grow older, they may even want to say to me, and it has been said to me already, things like, well, so-and-so doesn't have to do this. And they're doing just fine. So-and-so doesn't ever have to clean their room and they get to be on their iPad all day long. You know, you know so-and-so, um, you know, they, they get an allowance every week and they don't have to do anything, right? Uh, so-and-so, you know, they, they, they don't ever even listen to their parents. They're rude all the time to their parents. They never get grounded. And that's kind of what Jeremiah is saying here is like, yeah, but so-and-so is fake. They're doing just fine. Why, why all this for us? And the answer that the Lord gives here reminds me of what I tell my children is, well, they're not my child. You are. And I care more about you. Right? I care too much about you to let you get away with something in a moment that will potentially create a habit in you that would ruin your life. Right? And I say that to them, I present it to them in such a way where I'm not, I'm not dare judging someone else's parenting. I don't care. That's not the point. I'm wanting them to get out of comparing <clears throat> themselves to other people. Same, same as sometimes my friends, my, my children will have a group of friends over <clears throat> and everyone will go outside or do, and everyone will get in trouble. <clears throat> and I'll be the harshest on my child. It's not because I dislike my child the most. It's actually because I like my child the most. And what I've seen in them, I want to get out of them because they belong to me and I want to see the future for them. I care about these other children too, but this one is my responsibility, right? And so I feel as though the Lord's ministering that same kind of word to Jeremiah is, why can't you get away with what they can get away with? Because I got bigger and better things in store for you than, than this. Right? And so, yeah, you're going to have to run with the men because later you're going to run with the horses.